Hello, everyone. Welcome to Raising Poets and Pirates, the podcast for Christian single mothers raising sons. Today, I want to welcome my guest, Sephora. And a little background story is Sephora and I have been fairly new friends, but it feels like forever since 2019. And I met her through a Facebook group, a Facebook group for Christian single mothers. And what stood out to me about Sephora is that in that Facebook group, which has a mixture of biblical truth and hot mess, <laughs> to put it mildly, Sephora's comments would always point us to the Bible, point the women to the Bible, to scripture for answers. And so I was just like, who is this girl? And so I check up on her, check her profile. I realized she didn't live far from me and that we had a mutual friend, which turned out to be her brother. So we reached out, got together in person. And since then we have been friends and it's been a friendship, a sisterhood that I've delighted, that I've cherished. She is my iron sharpens iron. I can go to her with everything and anything. And she always points me to Christ and always points me to the cross. And Sephora, until recently, had been a single Christian single mother for many years of four children, two lovely boys and two lovely girls. And I asked her to join me because I wanted her to share her story so it can be encouragement to all of you and um, to see how the Lord has been so good to her in spite of the ups and downs. So Sephora, welcome. I'm so glad you could join me. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much, friend. It's a pleasure <laughs> and an honor to be here. So let's get started. I'd like to do these icebreakers. So I have three questions for you. And um, this allows people to get to know you a little bit more. Question number one. What is your favorite book and or movie? Okay, I have to pick only one. Yeah. <laughs> one of my guests, I said three, and that was a whole 20 minute conversation. So I'm like, I got to narrow okay. it down. Okay. Well, my favorite book is definitely the Bible for sure. It's changed my life and it's um, life-giving words and words of comfort, encouragement. It knocks me down and then it picks me back up. Yeah. So that's definitely my favorite book of all time for sure. Do you have a favorite movie? Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur is my favorite movie. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, it's it's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, it's it's just a classic. Every time I watch it, um, I'm just reminded of God's grace and um, God's mercy for sinners. So it's all it's always an encouragement, and the the acting is terrific. Everything about it is just terrific. So yeah. Now, if I recall, is the main actor? I haven't seen the movie actually. I've seen clips. Is it with oh. uh, Kirk Douglas? No, it's with um, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Okay. Okay, excellent. Question number two. Okay, if you could interview or have a long conversation with anyone from any time period, dead or alive, who would it be or why? Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, other than the Lord Jesus. Say, yeah, let's leave him out of the question because everyone will default to that. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to have mean, are all you the even time a Christian if you don't say Jesus? No, I'm kidding. I would probably say the Apostle Paul. Oh, why? Um, because I think other than the Lord Jesus, he, from the scriptures, just, I think, is such a clear picture of what godliness is, mm -hmm. what Christ-likeness is, holiness. So to just spend some time with him and ask him questions and learn from him would just be just amazing. And um, yeah, just very, very encouraging and very, just a blessed time, I'm sure. So that would be the person I would choose, I think. Wonderful. Wonderful. And the last question, what's the scariest thing you've ever done for fun? Scariest thing I've ever done for fun? Whew. It would probably be a toss up between the slingshot ride at Canada's Wonderland. <laughs> that I did. I was, I was already accepting that I could die when I was on that ride, but I was with my son. So I was like, Lord. My life is in your hands. So probably between that and when I ziplined over like a lake and I don't know how to swim and I wasn't wearing a life jacket, uh, safety vest. Yeah. Life jacket or anything like that. So again, that was one of those moments where I was like, Lord, you know, have your way with me. <laughs> <Whatever happens laughs> that. 
<laughs> okay, so the slingshot ride, is it like a cat they catapult you in the air? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's not one of the the regular rides. Like normally you would have to pay extra to mm-hmm. go on it, but this time they just allowed us to go. And so I went on. I just thought, why not? Nobody else wanted to go except my son and he needed somebody to go with. So I volunteered. It was really scary, but I had my eyes closed. I think it would have been scarier if I had my eyes open, but (laughs) they were closed. Okay, excellent. So Sephora, I'd like you to share with with my audience about your story. So we'll start from, for people who don't know, Sephora, she became a Christian single mother through divorce. and And I'd like you to share from perhaps if you'd like, whatever's comfortable for you from the time maybe when you got married or when you were dating your ex-husband to how things changed in the marriage. And and we'll just sort of go from there and see sure. how. Yeah, yeah, I'd appreciate that. So I started dating my ex-husband when I was in my early 20s, but I was a very immature believer. I grew up in a Christian home and I knew many Bible verses, not necessarily in their proper context, but my parents had really made a point of having Bible studies with us regularly. And so I, I had the word in me, but I love the world and I love the things of the world. And, and so I think when I met my husband, I was very much a worldly person, even though I went to church on Sunday and I probably read my Bible here and there. And so I wasn't, I think in my mind, I, I would have always, if you had asked me, you know, what kind of man do you hope to marry someday? I would have said, oh, you know, a godly man, man who loves the Lord. Like I would have said all of those things. But in reality, what I was attracted to was um, men who were not like that. And so I met my husband at my workplace. He was not a believer, but I invited him to church and, and, uh, and he came and he quote unquote converted um, and he was even baptized. <clears throat> but when I read my journal entries from those early years, I can see that both of us were far from the Lord. We were not, we were not in Christ. We were not, you know, doing the things that um, Christians who love the Lord do. And we weren't speaking to each other in ways that, that husbands and wives who love the Lord, how they would. And in some of the habits that we had were, were sinful worldly habits. And, and so I could see from, you know, looking back, I can see that we were building a house on the sand, so to speak, mm-hmm. and not on the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So knowing, you know, now what's what's happened, it's 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 no surprise to me that my marriage did fall apart and that my husband apostatized and and honestly, but what I can um, also see is God's faithfulness in keeping me and preserving me despite myself, despite my sin. You know, scripture talks about the Lord Jesus not losing a single one of his elect. And, mm-hmm. and although I can see that, you know, my husband failed in many ways and I failed in many ways, but God was faithful, even in my faithlessness. And just as he chose me before the foundation of the world, he hasn't let me go. And so that, that's definitely the, the testimony that I, that I share is um, just God's faithfulness throughout those years. So when, when we were married, I think at the time I wanted to believe that he was a believer and I wanted to believe that I was too. But as the years went by, um, he stopped going to church with me and he started drinking heavily and things like that. And, and at one point, you know, after we had had children and so on, he didn't even want me to speak the name of Jesus in the home. Mm. Um, and he didn't want me teaching the children about the Lord Jesus. And he told the children also that if they didn't want to go to church with me on Sunday, they didn't have to. And so... Did the children at times then said, I want to stay home with daddy? And yes, that's exactly what they, what they mm-hmm. said. Yeah. And so I was only going with the baby at the time. So it was just me and my youngest. She was less than a year old. And that's when it was at that time that he had told the children that. And so that's when they had stopped going. And, and so it was a very lonely time for me. But what that, it drove me to the cross though. And it drove me to the Lord Jesus to be, you know, my all, my comforter, my husband. And uh, yeah. And so, sorry, I don't know if um, 
I'm answering no. your question. Oh yeah, you are like t- telling the stories just to, to have us understand, to lead up what was going on at that time. So by then he pretty much just rejected anything related to Christianity. It sounds like to a point where yes. he couldn't stand it. It's not even like, fine, you go to church if you Absolutely. want to, but he's like, I forbid it yep. in the home. And exactly. so from there, when did it, did the marriage really fall apart where it's like the betrayal that, that a, the divorce, mm-hmm. like leading up to the divorce? Yeah. So during, during that time where things were getting, I guess, more and more tense and hostile in the home, we ended up having to sleep in separate quarters because he started to say things like, I don't think I love you anymore. And that was extremely hurtful for me to hear, you know, on a regular basis, you know, we were still sleeping in the same bed. So just emotionally, I couldn't, I couldn't handle that over an extended period of time. So I asked if we could, um, you know, sleep in separate quarters. So I think at that point he took that, I'm assuming as just rejection from me, Although I think in his heart, he was already rejecting me since you know, he was telling me those things. But that definitely drove a bigger wedge between us. And so during that time, I remember I went through, I guess what I would call a personal revival because I began to just cry out to the Lord mm-hmm. um, because I didn't know what to do. I knew that, you know, my marriage was falling apart and you know, my husband didn't love me anymore. So there was a lot of uncertainty about my future and my children's future and the future of my marriage. And so by God's grace, it just drove me to the word. And now during this time of of intense loneliness and that sense of rejection, did the church you were attending knew, did they know what was going on? Did you have a support system? Was there, was there someone you could confide in, pastor, friend? There was, I had one friend who we would talk on the phone from time to time and I would ask her to pray with me. So she, she was always praying for me and her and her husband were very supportive of me at that time. They obviously, you know, were concerned about me spiritually and didn't want me to make any rash decisions like pursuing a divorce or something like that without, you know, godly Biblical grounds. Um, Yes, without biblical, without biblical grounds and without, you know, godly counsel and things like that. So they were very encouraging in that way. I think she was my only confidant, though, at the time. I was, I was in a church where there weren't a lot of mature Christians, you could say. Mm-hmm. And so it was really difficult to really open up. I did share a little bit about what was going on, but unfortunately, um, there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of, um, very mature believers who could really point me to the scriptures and and kind of walk with me through mm-hmm. this journey. So it was really the Lord was definitely who I was leaning on um, the most. But I think, you know, looking back when I started to read the scriptures at that time, I, I, I don't remember exactly why um, I thought I should read the Bible from cover to cover, but that's what I decided to do at the time. Um, I just knew that I needed God and I needed his word. And so I made the decision to read the Bible from cover to cover. I hadn't done that before. And I started reading alongside um, Jen Wilkins' book, um, Women of the Word, which actually was a huge blessing to me at the time because I was still very ignorant about <laughs> interpreting the scriptures correctly and interpreting scripture with scripture. And mm-hmm. um, and so that book reading it alongside the Old Testament was actually really helpful for me. And so as I started reading through the Bible, I think the Lord really opened up my mind um, to understand what I was reading. And I learned so much about prayer during that time, because when I, when I read scripture, I knew the Lord was speaking to me. And then after I would read, I would just spend time crying out to him. And that was me responding to what he had just spoken to me. And so it was for months. That's what I did. I woke up at four in the morning and from four to seven, I would just read scripture and pray and then get my kids ready for school. And so I did that for months and I read through the entire Old Testament and New Testament. And that was honestly just the best thing I think that's ever happened to me other than being saved. 
was just knowing God through his word. I, I met the living God for the first time through his word. I mean, I had heard about him, so I can definitely echo what 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 Job says, you know, I had heard of you at the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. That was definitely my experience as I read through through God's word. Amen. And so during that time, that's all I wanted to do. So when my husband wanted me to join him and, you know, doing like playing video games or drinking and things like that, I just had no interest in any of that. I just wanted to be with God. And so that again, drove a bigger wedge between us. Did you two ever um, seek counseling, wanting to make it work? We did. I found a, a counselor. He wouldn't. He wouldn't see a Christian counselor. So I, the only way he would do counseling with me was to find one who was not a Christian. And so I found one, and we met with her. But unfortunately, he was not really interested in doing the work that was required to improve things. After a while, he just stopped going, and so there wasn't really. We didn't receive a lot of help that mm-hmm. way. And I was really just trying everything that I could, getting as much counsel as I could, um, just from older women, not who I knew personally, but just through different podcasts like Revive Our Hearts. You know, they talk a lot about marriage and loving your husband. And and so I was trying to, to please him in all the ways that I could without compromising what I knew was right as well. But everything that I did, even though you know, some of the, the concerns that he had with me, I remember him telling the marriage counselor that I had become a, a completely different person during this time. And not in a bad way, like in the best sense. Mm-hmm. I had become even more submissive, more loving, more gentle, more kind. And I was probably the best housewife that I had ever been mm-hmm. um, at that point, just because my joy was coming from the Lord. And I didn't see loving my husband and submitting to my husband as a burden, but yeah. as freedom. So he definitely saw that change. And it, and it was really through the word and through the spirit of God, just working in me and transforming me and changing me through the word. And I, I remember I was just the most productive I had ever been, even though I was getting up at four in the morning and just spending time with God for three hours and I would do the same thing at night. I was so busy just doing good during that time. And I was so grateful to see the Lord just change me. And so all of the things that he had concerns about changed during that time. Great. great. So Sephora, the fact that your ex-husband recognized that there was a change, a godly change, a wonderful change, becoming more submissive out of joy being a better wife, how was his response? Do you think it disarmed him? He, do you think it made him resentful? Can you elaborate on that? Did it, did it sure. almost put him to the corner to be like, if she is, has done a 180, then I'm called to the same task? Yeah, that's, that was the outcome that I had hoped for. And I think because it wasn't forced on my part, I wasn't trying to meet all of his expectations as a way of winning him back. It was really just something that happened organically and naturally because it really was God working in me that produced all of that good fruit. And I was just as amazed as he was and as my as our marriage counselor was because she had even said that, I'm not sure that you can change. I'm not sure that you can fix these things that he would like you to fix. And so God did it. And so I had hoped that that would soften him. I hoped that he would, you know, want to work on the marriage and and want to, you know, to to receive me back um, in love. But but actually, the opposite happened. He he only became more cold and more hard towards me, and he seemed to really resent the fact that I was so joyful. It really hated him, I think. He really hated to see me um, with so much joy when it really should have been the most miserable time of my life because Mm -hmm. at that point he had already expressed that he wanted out of the marriage and that he wanted to start seeing other people. And and so to see that I didn't maybe respond the way he had hoped, but but I almost responded in the opposite way by just loving him more. And I think it angered him. And so I've actually heard that this is a common thing when husbands with a guilty conscience are 
acting in ways that would provoke their wives to anger and where they would also go along with what the husband is pushing, which is, you know, for the marriage to, to dissolve. But when that doesn't happen and the wife responds or the, the other spouse responds in, in, a, in a way that's unexpected, instead of anger and resentment, um, there is humility and um, Christ-likeness, then this, I think, really exposes the true intentions of the heart. Because mm-hmm. in, my, in my marriage, all the things that he had concerns with, all of those things, God fixed. You know, mm-hmm. God, God did it. And so, all of the reasons that he was giving me for wanting the marriage to be over, they weren't there anymore. And so, you would think that he would then, you know, turn around and go the other way, but he didn't. His heart only hardened. He just became colder and more resentful. And, and honestly, he, he hated God even more um, mm. as a result of that and hated me even more too. And there was really no reason for him well, to do the that. the darkness so, hates the light. He, so if you're yes, exciting, absolutely, yeah, the light of spiritually Christ. speaking, that that is the only thing that made sense to me was, and you know, the scripture is very clear where it says, you know, what relationship does light have with darkness? Right? Can can two walk together unless they're in agreement? <clears throat> and we were not in agreement about the most fundamental things. He denied that God existed, and God was better than life for me. And so, I think. Deep down, he hated that I loved God more than anything. And perhaps that was something that he could not live with because he hated God and, and denies God even to this day. So, so that, I think, again, drove a, a bigger wedge between us. And around this time, he took a business trip, or that he called a business trip. And when he came back, again, I had been just praying for the Lord to reconcile us um, for my marriage to be restored. But during his time away, the Lord almost warned me that mm-hmm. something, something big was coming okay. um, because I remember I, I had a dream, but in the dream, I didn't see anything. It was only scripture. All I heard was um, Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, mm-hmm. which says, um, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, bring your request to God and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. That was it. That's, that's all I heard. And I remember calling that one friend that I, that I trusted. And I said to her, something's going to happen. I think the Lord is warning me. And I just said, could you please pray? And so I remember that was a Thursday and he was coming back, I think this Saturday. And so when he came back, you know, he, everything seemed normal. <clears throat> and, um, you know, he told me that, that the Dominican Republic was boring and that, you know, all he wanted to do was come home and he was glad to be home. So I, I was hopeful. Mm-hmm. And then a few days later, he called me from work and he said, um, have you gotten any weird messages from a crazy English girl? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And, uh, and he said, oh, just some crazy English girl that I met in the Dominican. And she's been, you know, sending messages to some of my friends. And uh, she's trying to blackmail me or something like that. And I was like, no, I haven't gotten anything like that. And he was like, oh, okay. Isn't that strange? And, Sorry. And- Isn't that strange? He would say she's trying to blackmail me. <laughs> yes, it was if, you haven't, if you've done nothing, what's to blackmail? To a total yes, stranger. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I think this was I think this was God's providence that he called me because if he hadn't called me and told me that I would not have found what I found after this this conversation. And so after I, we got off the phone I just thought this is so bizarre. Like mm-hmm. why would he you know be asking me this? And so I I checked, you know, my my Facebook inbox. I had nothing. But then I remembered that there was this secret folder that any spam messages that you would get from people you don't know would go there. And so I found that and looked that up and, um, and I found messages from a girl. She had sent me screenshots of her conversations with my husband and it, and there it was in black and white, what the intentions of his heart really were. I saw very clearly where he was spiritually speaking and 
what he was what he was after and so the evidence was was there that he was being unfaithful to me and not just emotionally but but sexually as well and so there was no denying i knew that it was him i could tell not just because his name was there but because <clears throat> of the way he would write and things like that and it just it shocked me and obviously it devastated me too and so i confronted him with the messages and and he denied it he said mm-hmm. that that it wasn't him that nothing had happened that he, she was just some crazy girl who was stalking him but i mean the proof was there there was no there was no denying it and so at that point i remember when i confronted him that's when he told me point blank our marriage is over i'm i'm going to start dating other people which was kind of a bizarre thing to say if you know you weren't actually being unfaithful but um right so that was sort of the beginning of the end at that point the lord really answered my prayers in a sense at that point because it showed me he showed me where my husband's heart really was and and it wasn't with me it wasn't with trying to restore what had been broken but it was you know he wanted to to go his own way and he wanted to be free from his responsibilities and duties as a husband and father and so the lord was already orchestrating things behind the scenes preparing a place for me and my children to go to and i didn't want to leave my home at this point because i I wasn't sure what to do, even though my husband and his parents, because I lived with his parents also, they were pressuring me to leave. They wanted me and the kids out of the house, but I didn't want to go until I knew that the Lord was was making a way for us. And so after this happened, you know, our house was going up for sale anyways, because they didn't want to keep the house. And so um, the Lord orchestrated our steps and provided a, a place in Brampton for us to go to. And so that's when we left and the infidelity became even more clear after our separation because I found my husband in bed with another woman who was actually a friend of mine. This is a different girl from the one um, that he had met in the Dominican. And so again, that just showed me very clearly Mm -hmm. um, that my husband was lost and that he needed Christ, but he was also unrepentant and his heart only hardened more and more as time um, went on. And and so, but the Lord was faithful in all of it. Just he straightened our, my path um, and my children. He has provided for us every step of the way, um, taken care of us as a, as a father and as a husband to me. And yeah, so we were very grateful for God's goodness. So then I can only imagine the, the devastation to know a friend of yours has has done this to you, that betrayal and the betrayal from your ex-husband. Now you, just to uh, rewind just a bit, you said his parents, your former in-laws, they they didn't want you in the home. Was it because of you? Like they were just, were they supporting your ex or were they just like, this is, this is too chaotic for us. Take your business elsewhere. I'm presuming they, were they, were, were they Christians or? No, no, um, his parents were not were not believers. They were actually Roman Catholic. So he had been raised Roman Catholic as well. Mm-hmm. And and when I shared earlier about my husband telling me that he didn't want me to speak the name of Jesus in the home, that was also something that his parents were encouraging him in. They mm. despised that I prayed at mealtimes. They didn't want me praying at mealtimes or my children praying at mealtimes because their priest had blessed the food once a year and that's all that was required. Mm. And so... I found this out later after we had separated, but my husband and his parents for probably over a year, they had been planning how they were going to get rid of his assets and he was transferring them over to his dad. And I mean, they had planned everything out so that, so that I would basically be left with nothing. And so when they had gotten all of their affairs in order, so to speak, that's when they started pressuring me to leave. And so my husband had their full support. And honestly, like there were so many red flags from the beginning. He was an only child. Not that that's always a bad thing, but he had parents who had always kind of enabled him. Mm-hmm. And whatever it was that he wanted to do, they supported it right or wrong. Right. Um, and so when we started having 
troubles in our marriage. They were always supportive of whatever it is that he wanted to do. And, and because they weren't believers, I couldn't really expect anything different. I couldn't really expect for them to just do what was right or for them to just tell him not to lie and tell him not to cheat or tell him not to do the things that he was doing and, and especially not join him in the deceit. But that's what they did. They joined mm-hmm. him in the deceit. They covered up his sin instead of bringing it to the light or calling him to repentance. Like none of those things happened. And so, and so, yes. So finding all of this out, you know, later when we went to court and all of this came out, it was really, you know, hurtful for me to know that my in-laws had played a part in, you know, covering up, you know, the sin and, and, and the, the deception and all the things that were happening behind the scenes that I had been ignorant of. But yeah, so there was definitely, I, I didn't have the support of his family or anything like that. It was just me and the children. Um, yeah. Did you have support from your family? Pardon? Did you have support from your family? Yes, I did. My parents were actually the ones who had offered me and my children a home to live in after we moved out, after I moved out from my in-laws and my husband's home. And so we had a place to stay. So we, we did move cities, but we did have a place to stay by God's grace. And so my parents were really helpful and just, you know, giving us a place to live and anything that I needed, they were willing to help me with. I, I had always up until that point been very private in the sense that I didn't like, I didn't want my family so involved in my personal marriage or in my personal life mm-hmm. and in my marriage as to create, you know, division or to have like an outside influence. I was very careful to protect my marriage and protect my husband. And, and so even when I moved out, my parents didn't really know too much of what had happened, only that my husband wanted to end the marriage. Um, but they were very supportive as far as, you know, just material needs and things like that. So I'm very grateful to them for that. Okay. So now you're, we could say officially a Christian single mother. Mm-hmm. You you have, you're, you're raising the kids on your own. Can you tell us what that was like, especially dealing with your children's father who is like against all things Christian, anti-Christ, if you will, anti-God, right. anti-Christ. And can you share with us some of the ways he was putting up roadblocks in terms of you dealing with custody, dealing with choice of education for your kids, just wanting to raise your children in the admonition of the Lord and in in a godly way? Can you share us with a few stories or or how you know how it unfolded? Absolutely. So before I give you some examples of that, I will say that. The separation, as devastating and heartbreaking as that was, because I left with my children, um, it was the first time in years that I had the freedom to teach my children without hindrance. Because when I was living with my husband and his parents, like I said, I had to do it in secret because Mm -hmm. it was forbidden. And so I was very grateful to the Lord for the opportunity to teach them freely in my home. So that was the blessing that came from that. But as far as co-parenting and making decisions for education, or even just the children going from one home to another, being taught a Christian worldview at home, and being taught a completely different worldview when they were with him, that was extremely challenging and still is. When my children were offered um, an opportunity to go to a very good Christian school that was very close. They would have had a great education there, you know, busing and everything. My church had actually offered to pay for all of the expenses for my children to go there. Really? So the only thing that I, the only thing that I would have had to pay for was their their uniforms. But everything else, my church graciously offered to cover. And so this was an amazing opportunity for them, and it was actually during COVID. And so. Because of the small class sizes, the children were were actually able to be spaced apart enough that they didn't even have to wear masks in the classroom. So it would have been just a 
as a, as normal of an education just mm-hmm. in terms of like the, in the physical sense but a great education in a spiritual sense because they would have been taught with with a christian worldview and and so we were really excited about the opportunity my children were as well and my lawyer had recommended that i just go ahead and and enroll them because it was a great opportunity unfortunately though my husband was so against them going to a Christian school. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have had to pay for anything because the uniforms I would have covered the cost of. But even so, he just despised the idea so much that he decided to take me to court and um, and fight me so that the children could not go. And so, so that's what he did. And unfortunately, the judge sided with him. What was the reason? Clear. What was the reason the judge sided? Well, what they always say is that they're judging and making decisions based on the children's best interests. So the judge said that it was in the children's best interests for them not to go to a Christian school and for them to stay where they were, which was a public school. Even though my children wanted to go to the Christian school, they had already started going because the school year started a bit earlier than public school. But none of that mattered to the judge. Um, And it didn't even matter to my husband because I had offered him to speak to the children and hear directly from them that they wanted to go there and how much they enjoyed going there. But he refused to have that meeting with the children. And the judge refused to consider the the children's pleas because they had written letters um, for the judge to read. She would refuse to read them. And, And it was clear, and my lawyer had also said to me, I don't even think the judge read any of the paperwork that I submitted. Wow. And so it was very clear from the beginning that the judge had already decided what she was going to do and actually even said that that the justice system will never rule against the public school system. They go together. And so mm. that was that was really heartbreaking for for me to hear because if if a judge was really ruling in the children's best interest, they would have considered many other things that we had brought forward. But but the thing that mattered the most to her was that the justice system was not going to rule against the public school system. And so I lost a lot of faith in the justice system through that court case um, because justice was not served and the judge did not act um, in my children's best interests. And, And my children really were devastated and went through, um, a really difficult time after that. Mm. And so, I mean, that's that's one example of what happened. And so I was forced to keep my children in public school. And not only that, but I was also ordered to keep them in public school until grade eight, until they've all graduated grade eight. And so that was another kind of, you know, devastating blow. Yeah. Um, because I will not have yeah, I, wouldn't, I don't even have the option to homeschool them um, until high school because I have to keep them in the public school system until they've graduated um, grade eight. Okay. How have your children, and I know this podcast is, you know, Christian Single Mothers Raising Sons, but let's include your daughters because uh, they're all affected. How did they handle the separation? How did they handle now... Um, you being the head of the household, what's going on with uh, their father? What did they know and what was their understanding of it? And how did they, how did they react towards you, towards everything? What were some of the challenges and, and how did the Lord help you through all this as well? I'm I'm giving you like 13 questions. (laughs) Did you remember them all? (laughs) Okay. I'll try. Yeah, it was for the younger kids. I think they were probably too young to understand what was going on. My oldest daughter was definitely the one that was affected the most because her dad had actually pulled her aside without my knowledge and basically blamed me for the fact that he was abandoning us and I remember when we moved out my oldest daughter sometimes would make comments like you know this is your fault and Mm. you know daddy left us because of you things like that so definitely she was probably the one that took it the hardest and you know it's been 
oh, six years since then, uh, just over six years. And that's still true today. She's definitely the one that, that um, is still struggling the most with what's happened. I had a, a conviction very early on that I was not going to lie to my children about mm. the circumstances. Not that I had to tell them everything, but I wasn't going to lie to them mm-hmm. about the reality of the situation. I I am teaching my children and, um, that God defines marriage, that God defines what a husband is, what a wife is, and, and their respective roles and the roles of children. And so for me to lie to my children and say, and to call the abandonment something else um, would just not have been biblical and would not have been true. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, and I, and I also know that they are being told something completely different um, by their biological father that, you know, and, and you hear this from the world all the time, you know, sometimes people just don't get along and it's better um, for them to live separately. And, you know, people go, you know, pe- people go their separate ways and, and you hear all kinds of language like that. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to talk about what marriage actually is as defined by God, it's a covenant. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's not something that is, that you can throw away. Um, and, and it's not, it's something very sacred and it's and a marriage is something that God has brought together. And God says, you know, let no man separate what God has brought together. And so mm-hmm. it was not my husband's right or place to separate what God has brought together, but that's what he did. He mm-hmm. separated it. And so that's sinful. And I'm not, I decided very early on that I wasn't going to call it something else. And so um, I've been very truthful with them in an age appropriate way. And as they've gotten older and they've asked more questions, I I give them more and more details. Um, But I think that if, if I'm going to encourage them, if I'm, if I'm going to encourage my boys to be good husbands and I'm going to encourage my daughters to be good wives, they need to know, what the role of a husband is and what the role of a wife is mm-hmm. and, um, and what it looks like when um, a husband or a wife neglects those duties and abandons his responsibilities or her responsibilities mm-hmm. and the devastation that that causes. And so I've heard many single moms say that they tell their children, oh, your daddy loves you. He just, he just can't you know, be with us or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and I think that what you're teaching your child when you say things like that, especially if, if it's a case of abandonment, is that love abandons. And that's what love looks like. And that's not true. God is love and he shows us mm-hmm. what love is. He laid down his life for us. And that's what a husband and a father is supposed to do for his family. Mm-hmm. That despite you know, the challenges and the trials that he faces, he has the Lord and he can turn to the Lord and the Lord will help him. That's a promise that God um, gives to those who trust in him. So to say that, that a father who abandons his responsibilities as a husband and as a father to his children, that's not love. And so we can't, we can't say that that's a loving thing to do. It's a selfish thing to do. It's a mm-hmm. cowardly thing to do. Yeah. And it's a sinful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I hope that by telling my children the truth, they understand that sin is sin and sin is offensive to God. And, it's, and this isn't just true about their father's sin, but when we talk about our own sin, we're not going to sugar coat that either at home right um so when we call one another to repentance or we confess our sins to each other we need to be able to say what those sins are and we need Mm -hmm. to be able to examine ourselves in light of scripture and see ourselves as we truly are not just as sinful people speaking in a very general sense but 
be able to say, I've sinned in this way. I've lied. I have cheated. I have stolen. I have, you know, being very specific about what those sins are and understanding that they are rebellion against God. They are an affront to God. And so, and on, on the, and by the same token, when we talk about goodness, faithfulness, love, compassion, we want to be biblical about those terms mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Not just the sins, but also um, goodness and righteousness, holiness, what that looks like. Um, I think it's very important that children are very clear about those definitions because I want them to recognize goodness when they see it. I want them to recognize wickedness when they see it. Right. Um, and not to be silent in the face of injustice or in the face of wickedness, beginning with their own hearts uh, first, and so that they can be an encouragement to their father and be a blessing to their father um, in pointing him to Christ and pointing him to the cross. Because ultimately, that that is my hope for him. Even though, you know, he remains um, in a in a state of unrepentance, and as the years have gone by. Um, that has become more and more evident, but we continue to pray for him and we continue to ask the Lord to grant him repentance so that he can be restored to his maker. And Mm -hmm. he now has a child with the girl that I I caught him with years ago, um, the girl who was my friend. And, And so there's another there's another child involved who also needs a father. And so our hope for her and and for him is that he will not abandon her the way he abandoned our children. Um, And so we don't want these sins to continue repeating in his life because the, the devastation that it caused us was difficult enough for us Mm -hmm. to see and witness. We certainly don't want that for another child. Right. And so, and the, the only reason that we're able to, you know, pray for him in that way and, hope um, for reconciliation first between him and the Lord and then between him and us mm-hmm. um, is because God's word is true. We know that God is faithful. You know, I'm not um, resentful towards him. There are times where I have to be very careful to watch my heart yeah. um, to not allow a root of bitterness to take hold. Like um, I think it's the book of Hebrews talks about Um but to receive the grace of God. And, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing, especially when you love the Lord and, and the person that you are co-parenting with hates God and, and not just hates God, but is actively um, teaching your children to hate God. Like this yeah. is the biggest challenge I think in our family is, you know, when the children go and spend weekends with him, the things that they share, how he, blasphemes God very openly and and mocks them even um, because of their faith. It's, it can be very discouraging for a child to, um, to hear that and to be encouraged to look at inappropriate images, for example. That's something that we went through a while ago. And, and just the complete opposite worldview is being pushed um, on them. Uh, it's, it's very challenging. And so, um, we really have to trust the Lord and just stand firm in, in what we're doing. And so you asked me earlier, um, how was the Lord faithful during that time? Um, in every way, the Lord was faithful. I think one of the things that um, that I wanted to be able to share about my story that I think was one of the greatest blessings that I received as a single mother was the gift of a good church. Um, mm-hmm. When we separated, I was part of another church, and like I had mentioned before, the the Christians there were, were not very mature. We didn't have a, lo- a lot of, uh, actually, we didn't have any godly women that were older that could really um, mentor me. There was one woman that seemed to take an interest in me, and so I shared my story with her and everything that I you know, was going through and even some of the sins of my past. And she just ended up spreading that information throughout the church mm. and which was humiliating for me and, and very discouraging. 
and she was an elder's wife on top of that. And so that was extremely hurtful. But I think what it helped me to see is that not every church is a biblical church. Not every church obeys the Bible. Not every church um, is standing on the word of God, but they're about other things. And this church kind of prided itself on building community, but not on preaching Christ and, Mm. and him crucified. And so by God's grace, he took me out of that church and it was just a year before COVID actually. And, and I found a church that was just a few minutes from my home that was um, biblically grounded and solid and preached Christ and him crucified. Mm. And the people there are real Christians. This was the first church that I think I'd ever visited and attended um, and now have become a member there where the people know their Bibles, but they also obey the scriptures. Yes, yeah. And I can see God's goodness and faithfulness in their lives um, from one generation to the next. And they have been a tremendous blessing and encouragement to me. They, From the moment that we arrived, they loved us, received us. Um, anything that I needed, they helped us with. And like I mentioned earlier, this was the same church that had offered to pay for my children's tuition so that they could go to the Christian school. Mm. They just went above and beyond in every way and have just loved on us so much. And But the most wonderful thing about this church is that I get to sit under the preaching of the word Sunday after Sunday, my children and I. We don't have a separate Sunday school, so my children sit with me during the service and they hear the word being preached. And that is the greatest blessing of all is that We hear God speak to us every Sunday and Christ is exalted and we we sing together, we pray together, we hear the word together and it's such a blessing. And I can't even emphasize enough just how important it is for a single mom, especially who is not under a husband's headship and leadership, Mm -hmm. who a husband who is not washing her with the word, like the scripture commands, she needs to be in a good church because she's not going to be washed with the word at home because she doesn't have a husband. So she needs to be in a church where she can sit under the preaching of the word on Sundays and where there are godly men as pastors and elders who can encourage her, encourage her children, who can set godly examples of what a husband should be, of what godly offspring should be. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I have by God's grace. I'm so grateful um, that my children have witnessed that. And now they have that. So we can exactly, I think this is a good segue (laughs) (laughs) right now to talk about just before we get to that nice, uh, the direction of a godly husband. Just throwing that there. I went to her wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to be a part of that. But how the Lord brought you Joseph. So I, I guess I'll, 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 I'll get to write to, I guess, specific questions because I'm thinking about the children. I think uh, a lot of us uh, Christian single mothers will want to know this in case this is something the Lord will, will give to us. But um, your husband, Joseph, wonderful man. I was so fortunate to be a part of, to witness your wedding this past summer. And it was a long road to get there. And we we won't uh, get into all those details. I think the question I would really like to ask you is, what was it like now introducing Joseph to your kids as a, as a single mother now dating? How did you feel about that? Was there hesitation? And can you just sort of give us what that was like, how your kids responded. Because sometimes I'm thinking, you know, the kids will be like, you're finding someone to replace daddy or you don't need anybody. Like to this day, my son, I mean, he's 18. <laughs> he's like, well, we don't need anyone. Get a dog. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yet my younger son is like, mommy, if you're, you know, if the Lord, you know, is going to give it to you. I'm happy about that. So yeah, tell, tell us what that was like. Sure. I think there was... Um, a part of me that, that I guess was thinking, do I need a husband? Is that the answer to the struggles that I'm having? And, and I think the answer is no, in the sense that because I have the Lord, I have everything that I need. And if, mm-hmm. if it's not the Lord's will that I remarry, that doesn't mean that the Lord has forsaken me or mm-hmm. anything like that. 
So I, I knew that that was true. However, when we look at scripture, it's very clear what God's design for a family is. A husband um, and a wife, a father and mother and children, um, particularly a, a godly husband, godly wife and godly offspring. And there's wisdom in that. There is, um, that's, that's a good design by God. And so I, I knew that that also was true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't wrong for me to desire that. It wasn't wrong for me to ask the Lord even for that. I already knew what it was like to be married to someone who didn't love the Lord and who wasn't leading his family faithfully, um, you know, pointing us to the Lord, you know, washing us with the word. Um, and I had already chosen for myself. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, the passage of um, when the sons of God saw that the daughters of Eve were beautiful and they chose wives for themselves. And this is something that I never wanted to do again. I never wanted to choose for myself. I wanted Mm -hmm. the Lord to choose. Um, Because when I had built my own house on the sand, you know, the waves came and they crashed against the house and there was a great fall, just as the Lord Jesus says. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that if it was the Lord's will um, that I marry again, that our house was going to be built on the rock that is the Lord Jesus. And so it was definitely a desire of mine, not just because of what the scripture teaches, but I also saw in myself how weak I was <laughs> that mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted, um, I can't be a father and a mother. I can't be the man and the woman. I can't do what God calls men to do. And I can't be all of that for my children. And so I, I wanted my boys to learn how to be godly men from a godly father, and not just a godly man, but a godly father as well. They hadn't had that up until that point. So that was really something I wanted for them. And I wanted my daughters to know what it was like to have a godly father in the home, mm-hmm. love their mother and love them also. And so I honestly didn't think that it would happen to me. I think I just, I was convinced that there were no good men left in the world and, and, um, and I was never going to meet one, but the Lord was so, so merciful to me. And I met Joseph at that church where there weren't a lot of mature Christians. There weren't godly leaders, but Joseph was saved at that church through reading the scriptures and just being convinced that the word of God was true. And he was the only person that I connected with at that church where we both had a desire to read the scriptures and and continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. Cause that was so rare, unfortunately Mm -hmm. at that church. And so when we both discovered that we both had that passion, that same desire, um, we immediately bonded um, as brother and sister and built just a really great friendship um, from that. And so I can honestly say that we, um, I guess fell in love. I don't even like that term, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> that we, be, we we began to um, to grow in love for one another first as brother and sister in Christ. But it was over the word, mm-hmm. and I couldn't have written a better love story. I guess um, you could say for myself. But that w- that would be it if I could write one. And and that's um, that's how our friendship deepened, and that is how our love for the Lord grew, and then our love for each other. Um, and, and the Lord faithfully took us out of that church, um, as we became convinced that we were not at a biblical church and that we needed to be under sound teaching. And so we left and we went to different churches, but we continued the friendship and he expressed a desire to join my church eventually. And, and so the conversations about, you know, marriage, um, and a future together with my children, I think it went a lot smoother than I mm-hmm. would have expected because in many ways I had already been preparing my children for that because I had already kind of laid a foundation of what a biblical marriage is and isn't, what what godly roles um, for men and women are. And so they, they also could see just as I could that that was missing in our mm-hmm. family. Yeah. And so, and that we were open and even asking the Lord to provide that for us, whether it was, again, 
at, at, a, at one point it was praying for my husband to be reconciled to God and then be reconciled to us. But if that wasn't the Lord's will, then we were asking the Lord to provide it some other way. And so, because Joseph and I um, really built just a very solid friendship on the word, you know, he, um, I introduced him to my children, but he, they were seeing him at church. So it wasn't really like a formal introduction mm-hmm. because we were attending the same church and we, we would do hikes with people from church. And so it was just a very natural thing that kind of happened. Um, and he's just an amazing man and loves children. And so it was really easy for my children to just, you know, love him and, and for him to love them. And, and so they were very excited. I think the first time I told them that we were praying and sort of moving in the direction of marriage in the future. They were very excited about that. And, you know, there have been challenges since the wedding, again, because of the devastation that comes from a broken family, right? Now mm-hmm. there are, they have two fathers and and their their allegiance to one or the other is kind of intention. And, mm-hmm. um, and because one of them is a Christian and one is not, then not everybody is handling that situation in a biblical way. And so, right. unfortunately, you know, children who are not mature yet um, as adult, you know, as people, but spiritually as well, it's hard for them to navigate those things. And so, you know, we're praying for my children, we're encouraging them as much as we can, and, and by God's grace, being patient with them too, um, and trusting that the Lord is leading and guiding and, and, and moving and working as he has promised to do. But we understand, Joseph and I, that our role as parents is to to be faithful in our mm-hmm. duties as parents, to teach our children and, and train them up in, um, in the discipline and admonition of the Lord, regardless of what outside voices and whatever they're hearing at school, whatever they're hearing um, from their biological dad and, and his girlfriend, that we know what our what our calling is. We know who mm-hmm. our God is. We know who we belong to. Um, and we know in whom we have believed. That's yes, that's amen. who we trust. That's where our hope is. And so um, we keep moving forward, pressing on. There are challenges for sure, and sometimes what feels like setbacks. But God is faithful. And I've, if there's anything I've learned through um, the six years that I was a single mom, and even today, it's that God is kind. He's kind to His children. And there are countless things that I have done that could have and and would have if if it were not for the grace of God messed everything up, but God is so faithful that he, he's the one who holds on to us. He's the one who keeps us, preserves us, sustains us in all things, equips us for every good work, Mm -hmm. um, grants us the grace and the wisdom that we need to do the things that he has called us to do. And if, and many times the, the only hindrance to that to faithful obedience is my unbelief a lot of yeah, the time. Yeah. It's just that I'm not trusting in the promises of God. I'm not holding on to his word. I'm not believing that he's going to keep his word. But he does. He does. And and when I when I think of just the blessing of being married to a godly man and seeing the blessing in my home of my children being taught the word at home by a man who loves them and who has pledged himself to them. It's, it's just the most amazing thing. And I, um, I, I would encourage single moms who, you know, are being told that they can do it all themselves, but deep down they know that, that they can't, they can't be all things to their children. They can't be the father and the mother and, and the man and the woman. You're, that's not God's design for you. Um, mm-hmm. The Lord provides. And if, if that isn't um, a godly husband, then pray for a good church with godly men that can come alongside your children and encourage them and for a godly pastor who will preach the word faithfully. But I, but I think it's also a good thing to ask the Lord for, for a godly husband because uh, godly families are God's good design um, in the church. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of blessing there and um, thriving and flourishing. And, and I can definitely see that in my own family. And I'm so grateful. And I just, God has been immensely kind and 
given me more than I could have ever asked for. So I'm very, very grateful to him for that. Thank you, Safara. I was just going to ask you, what could you leave? What you know, advice, message to to us, the single mothers, and you have, you know, and throughout, like throughout our chat, especially finding when finding a godly church, it is so essential. And I have been immensely blessed since I got saved, and I was saved as a single mother to have attended two churches, and um. And both churches have just come alongside me and have been godly and obedient to the word and feeling loved and not alone. And so, yes, single mom is out there. Find a godly church with solid, sound preaching. And as you said earlier, a church that not only preaches the word, but obeys it and lives it. You know, we think about, you know, don't forget the, the widows. Yeah. And yeah, the fatherless, uh, the fatherless children. And so that is great. And also for those who are desiring single mothers who are desiring marriage, yeah, bring it to the Lord. And it's, and it's a good desire to have. No, I had my days where it was, it was, I desired marriage for the wrong reasons. I'm just like, <laughs> need a babysitter really. So I can go on about my life. Oh, that was horrible. And I had to repent from that. Thankfully that was years ago. And that, and that is on my heart, but it's in the Lord's hands and it's not a wrong desire to have. Thank you, Sephora. This was great. I loved every minute of it. I got choked up. And again, thinking about how this, to have attended your beautiful wedding, it's one of the best weddings I attended in my life from beginning to end. (laughs) And just how your church loves you. It's, yeah, Mm, it's just wonderful. Praise God. Thank you so much. It really was, yes. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Poets and Pirates and that it encouraged you and was a blessing. If you like this kind of content and more, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Furthermore, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at hello at raisingpoetsandpirates.com. Also, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to get notifications on the next episode, as well as exclusive information. Just go to raisingpoetsandpirates.com. Until next time, thank you and God bless.